Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains Adventure Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, then please do follow and share it with a friend. And a five-star review will always help in a big way wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really enjoy the episodes, then please do consider becoming a patron of the show. Finally, sign up to our free monthly newsletter, giving you some much-needed updates in the world of adventure. Just use the link in the description. Today's guest is TJ David. He's back for the third time with us. We did an interview back in May. Uh, we chatted about a just a fantastic trip to Patagonia, ski mountaineering in August as well. So if you look at the full blog, the links will be there or just search the podcast wherever you're listening. And TJ has a way of just telling such an incredible story and he's done some incredible things. He describes this particular trip to the Lingen Alps as possibly one of his favorite ski mountaineering trips. We're going to talk about the mountains that come straight out of the fjords and up into the sky. We're going to talk about having that full cedar summit experience and just climbing and just kicking back the gear, leaving it in the hut and just enjoying and re-sparking that passion for skiing. Talk about comparing it, you know, what skill level you need to be to go here, comparing it to France too. So I really, really hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I loved recording it. So TJ, thank you so much. And thank you all for listening as well. Continue to share it with your friends. And without any further hesitation, let's get straight into the interview chatting about the Lingen Alps in Norway. So, hey, TJ, welcome to the podcast yet again for a hat trick. How are you doing today? <laughs> Good. Uh, really excited to be back. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, so am I. So, we, um, uh, for those who don't know, um, TJ, uh, we did an interview together uh, earlier in the year, so that'll be linked uh, down below. And also, we did an episode on ski mountaineering in Patagonia, which is fantastic, full of um, ski trips and some more exciting uh, elements to the story, which uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, but uh, today we're sort of meeting in the middle, calming down a bit, but uh, going somewhere very exciting, which is the uh, the Lingen Alps in Norway. Uh, yeah, I mean, TJ, take away. What, what's it like there? Oh, yeah. Um, cool. So I guess a little back story. Um, I was when I visited the Lingen Alps, which is basically like for me, I think it's on a map. It's basically as far north as you can go in Norway. And perhaps someone who knows the geography of the area will correct me on that and say, well, maybe you can go a little bit farther to an island or something just farther <laughs> north. Um, but I, I don't particularly know. All I know is um, that this is as far north as I had ever been um, at the time and still is. And getting there, I, I traveled there from, from Geneva because I was in Chamonix. And just the, the travel experience across Europe and then up um, up north was really interesting um, for anybody who's kind of like, oh, how do I go there? Uh, it's pretty simple. Fly, at least for me, fly to Geneva, fly to Frankfurt, fly to Oslo, overnight there, and then fly to Tromso. Um, which is pretty far north if you look at a map. And I don't have the map of Norway in front of me, but um, I just, I recall that being really far north on the map. 
So, you know, for us, I actually, I linked up with two friends from the States uh, who were meeting me out there, uh, Mason Daly and Aaron Carlson, who I'll give those guys a shout out because they're amazing ski partners. And um, we had a guide for this trip who is a friend of ours. His name's Morgan Salen. Um, he is an incredible guide. So if anybody needs a guide in Chamonix, or for Norway, I would I would recommend reaching out to Morgan. Um, he knows he knows his stuff. He's a ton of fun, and he I mean he really facilitated this week for us in a way that that made it I would say exceptional. I mean this is probably the best ski trip that I'd ever been on. Um, this was not like a sponsorship trip, or this had nothing to do with uh sponsor obligations or whatnot this i purely went on this trip for fun um we got some good content and whatnot along the way uh but for me it was is all about like experiencing the mountains up there and i think that um for anybody who's listening to this do a quick google search um lingen alps and you will be blown away immediately by the photos if you're a skier or somebody who wants to travel um to interesting parts of the world for adventure and or just beauty in general natural beauty you'll you'll definitely resonate with this um so you know when we we flew into on day two we made it to um Trumso, which is a i'd call it a town in the northern part of Norway. And and from there, like we, maybe it's a city because they had a shopping mall. And I think shopping malls are really big in Norway because we went there to get all our supplies for the week. And I think this is the way to do it. If you go, if you go out there, you get a house um, in Lingen, which is in the Lingen Alps, Airbnb, whatever, home based there. There's no restaurants. There's not really any, places to buy food where you're kind of remote yeah it's remote it's really rural um so it's like this trip is all about the skiing you it's not about going out to eat it's not about beers at the bar after um you know it's about like you wake up you ski you get home you have lunch you go ski again in the afternoon you come home you make dinner you go to bed there might be a beer or two or I or a hot tub session in there for recovery, but like other than that, like it's ski, it's a ski trip. Um, that honestly sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah, especially the photos as well. I'll put your link to the blog down in the show notes so people can have a look and read along while you talk. It, it's yeah, stunning. Oh, I I would definitely recommend that because it will kind of give you some idea of what it was like out there on the peninsula that we stayed on. Um, just basically being out in the fjords and how the mountains, um, they, they really come up from the fjords, right? So there's not, there aren't these like really long approaches into the mountains like you have in other parts of the world, or especially like we have in Colorado where you need to maybe go three, four, five miles before you get to the base of the mountain. And then you start to climb the mountain out here. It's like you pull up your car and, and you just start climbing and you're climbing the mountain right away. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. To get out here, you need to take a ferry. Uh, you need to go to the, sh- the shopping mall that has all of the food. Beer is very expensive. Um, that was uh, something that was really funny for our group because 
some of the other guys were maybe a, a bit more advanced beer drinkers than me. And um, <laughs> I think we, we, you know, we drank every beer that we bought by the end of the uh, end of the week. We Is were... advanced beer drinker something you can write on a CV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very advanced beer drinking. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool to drive out of, of Trumso. Obviously, as you get closer to Lingen and the Lingen Alps and the ferry ride is beautiful um when you end up getting to the ferry and you'll see this this photo on my on my blog but essentially the ferry pulls up and it's backdrop by the lingen alps and if you're a skier and you see those peaks they're really dramatic they you know they're they're more than just dusted they're coated in white and and like rime and they're very captivating so you know like getting onto that ferry you're going somewhere that um you know you've dreamt about or something Uh, it's one of those places where you're like this is this is the the mecca of of skiing like this is the the destination that you would ever want to go to um yeah so you know kind of how we did it and i'll just we we basically rolled in threw our stuff in this this air sweet airbnb little house but i mean totally mm. fine for us um that was on the peninsula and looking directly across the other side of the peninsula you could see a lot of great skiing so we decided hey let's just um in spring in norway the days last a bit longer mm. so you know if it's six o'clock, we kind of rolled out to go skiing. I think it was like four thirty-five, and we dropped in at like six thirty or seven, um, and that was kind of how the whole week went. Where we do a morning yeah. ski, and then we do an evening kind of afternoon into maybe early evening ski. Um, and that first day was just I i was feeling it because i was really tired from being in chamonix and the other guys were kind of chomping at the bit a little bit to get out and i wasn't necessary i normally would have rested and not pushed myself after the travel but they convinced me and i was in the back of the skin track just trying to keep up um but morgan our guide he knew where to take us and we dropped into this amazing couloir. And I can't even believe I didn't post a picture of it because it was right at sunset. And it the snow was good um, for something that was west-facing where the snow normally wouldn't be that great, um, especially because it hadn't snowed in a while. Um, but this it was we were skiing powder primarily. Um, you know, later into the day, a few weeks after a storm on a very obvious line not another track around and we kind that just set the tone for the week for us um and yeah as i mentioned it was a real skiers week so you know once we got the stoke from that first day out skiing this beautiful line at sunset and realizing okay the snow is pretty good um we started to poke around a bit um so I think kind of how this the whole thing works in Norway is if you don't have a car, you're going to be you're not going to be able to like access as much stuff. Right. So you can get to some things maybe if your Airbnb is 
right outside the mountains, which is totally possible. Um, but for us, like having a vehicle was really helpful because we could spot, we you know where we wanted to ski or look in. Um, I think Morgan had a guidebook. I can't recall because I don't own a guidebook on the Lingen Alps, um, but there might be something out there. And like a rough guy is a lonely planet or something. Yeah, there's some resources, but there's not, I don't think there's a ton, but maybe more than I'm leading on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we would take the car and basically there'd be other guided groups too. And they'd be going up and skiing down near their skin track. Um, kind of the same way they go up, they'd come down. So, you know, when you're in the fjords, you're looking at like four or 5,000 vertical feet like right from sea level. So you just go yeah. straight up and then they'll ski straight down. But we would go up and then go to, you know, a place that to us, it's like, wow, that's, that's where we really want to ski. We're not going to ski that. Um, and there, I have posted a long time ago, a very funny video of like 30 skiers skiing the same thing. And then we just went like one hour farther out on the ridge and skied probably something that no one has ever skied before um or if they have maybe just a few people ever um because people tend to not go off the beaten path there um mm. and that was like that was really kind of how like every day went and not and i don't and every day was like really unique right because each line is different um but the cool thing that i started to realize was that like, yes, super great to go in the spring because you've got this longer, you have longer daylight hours. So you can ski all morning, rest, ski in the afternoon, and you could get quality skiing on every aspect um, because it's so cold and the sun, the, the sun angle, right? It doesn't go as high in the sky as it does here in Colorado. So we were noticing that um snow on we skied like a lot of south facing aspects because there is a little bit higher avalanche danger on the easts and the north where it's like maybe primarily be skiing those um those aspects but here in norway you ski powder on a fully exposed south face um you know in i think this was in april and that's pretty miraculous. Like that's something that none of us being Colorado, Utah based, um, none of us had ever experienced. That's something that com is completely out of the ordinary. Um, so we really, really enjoyed that. And it gave us a lot to work with. Um, and it was like really cool. The terrain is, is really inviting. So it's a lot of Kular skiing. Um, and I guess by that, if people who don't know what a Kular skiing is essentially you're skiing like in in a tube so to speak where you have rock walls on both sides in a strip of snow down the middle um, and in contrast it wasn't you know as really steep like in Chamonix where you have to make these very precise very calculated turns down the mountain the whole time here the slope angle was like maybe 40 degrees at at its steepest um, so for us, you know, really experienced and accomplished skiers, skiing 40 degrees uh, is like super chill for us. Um, it's a whole that allows idea. us to ski a little bit faster. Um, 
you're not as worried about all of these other variables that go into like the steeper stuff that you would maybe get like we were skiing in Chamonix before and after this trip. Um, and and it, it like the stoke level was elevated throughout the whole trip because of that. Cause we were able to like let our guards down. You don't have to take as much gear with you. You know, like we never, we only took ropes for rappelling and for like really serious mountaineering one of the days we were out. Um, yeah. And I think if we're going to think about the trip in, in some kind of like linear, linear way, um, you know, like any trip really, everything kind of hinges on your knowledge and understanding of the mountains. So you never ski the, you don't really ski the best lines like on day one. Um, we started with some really great stuff, but as the week went on, uh, we started to get a better idea of what we wanted to ski, you know, and what the possibilities were and then what the conditions were like in terms of snow quality coverage avalanche risk and conditions um as well and we definitely had some like some really cool highlights uh, and if you look through the blog um you know every run was essentially you know like a life-changing highlight um and i mean just every picture at, at least on there as well is just breathtaking yeah. as well Oh my God. I mean, the rhymed, uh, like capped peaks and all the rocks are just like covered with this, like really hard, like ice, like snow, but they're like big snow cones. It's really cool. Um, and then because they are often, you know, couloirs, the rocks hold in and protect those areas from the wind and the elements. So the snow quality is really good in there and you'll see, you know, we got a few pretty nice powder shots of the guys um, skiing in there at the fjords in the background and whatnot. I mean, very classic, like, um, Norwegian ski photos, I guess. Yeah. Super cool. Um, yeah, gosh. Uh, we did get into some pretty, into some kind of, I, I would say, more heady mountain adventures um, as the trip progressed. And I think at times the quality of the skiing was um, took the back burner for maybe more adventures um, because we were getting pretty confident in the snow quality and everyone was, you know, feeling fit. We got shut down a couple times. We, we named this one line. Uh, I think Morgan must have had a guidebook or something because we were looking at this thing and we kept calling it the banana and um we went up to do it and it was just that we didn't get the weather or whatever uh, that we wanted and it became a little bit too much of like alpine climbing and things like that so we ended up we got shut down on a couple on a couple days and it's just kind of how it goes sometimes but we got really lucky um and as you'll see in these photos i mean it's a lot of bluebird just a lot of bluebird photos and a lot of this, these like amazing shots of like us climbing these, what, you know, they're not that steep, uh, 40 degree couloirs, which is, which ski all the way down, you know, right to the fjords. Um, there's some really good, good shots in here. I recommend that people check that out. I think the headiest day we, we named this, we were on some peak that in Norwegian was called Sophia. I, 
don't ask me to say the Norwegian names. And this is why <laughs> I can't give too many details because those, I can't tell, I can't speak Norwegian at all. So the names are just impossible. But we skied this. I'll, I'll um, try and get the spelling. And then anyone who reads along, they can give it a go for themselves. <laughs> oh man, good luck. I think I have some, you know, details on the actual name of the peak that we were on. Uh, but we skied this line. We call it Sophia's dark side because it was on the north side of um of the peak and everybody was skinning up on the sunny side and skiing down um but we got the ropes out and dropped in to to the dark side and that was probably the steepest line that we skied um there is a bit of risk involved in there that day didn't go as uh seamlessly as some of the other days where we got to just like let it flow ski fast um, this day involved like a pretty serious rappel in the middle. Um, there was some wind, sketchy wind slab above that cliff that we, that we mitigated. So the avalanche conditions were maybe a little less than ideal on that particular day. Um, less than ideal. <laughs> yeah. It's a very I nonchalant mean, way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, you know, we skied safe. I skied on rappel, uh, actually to get into the line. So, I mean, we, we really, um, we really took our time with it. And I, I recently saw a video of some kids skiing this, this same line and trying to repel off our pitons. I don't think that they didn't look so solid two years later. Um, mm. <laughs> but they had some great drone footage. So there, this stuff is starting to become more, um, I guess more popularized. So that's, that's pretty neat to see. Um, yeah, but that's a real highlight. If you guys, if someone can figure out where Sophia's dark side is, um, that's a line ready to ski, uh, this season for people, um, with some more mountaineering background, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Well, that brings uh, me on to, uh, something I was thinking about. We, we chatted briefly about it before. Um, some of the stuff that you described as being a bit, bit more heady, uh, you know, you want to, want to have some decent experience before going to those areas, but the Lingenaut specifically, not just Norway where they teach their three-year-olds how to ski, but the Lingenaut specifically, what kind of amount of background are we wanting before we, we go there? Could we go brand new or should we have skied a bit before? I don't really know what the resort skiing is like in Norway. So mm. I'm not sure if brand new, but um, if you want to go specifically to the Lingen Alps, I think, you know, an intermediate skier who has background in ski touring would really enjoy it. Um, so I, I think there are a couple of keys to enjoying your time there. One would be staying for at least a week because you want to allot for any kind of weather that can occur. It's a, it's a long way to go, especially if you're traveling from uh, Europe or maybe from even from the States, right? It's a long trip to get out there mm. and you can end up with, with bad weather. That's going to restrict your ability to ski, you know, what you want to ski and have fun and have, get everything out of the trip that you'd like. So I would recommend take a week, at least two is always better. I all, you know, if I had had two weeks there, oof, boy, that would have been even, uh, even cooler. Um, but one week minimum, hire a guide um there are some really great guides who guide up there a lot of them are you know chamonix based guides so they are really really equipped um it helps when you have local knowledge 
uh, Morgan, our guide, he pioneered most of the skiing in the Lingen Alps. So he knew wow. everything um, that there was to know about it. And we, we really lucked out on um, being able to link up with him. But he matched our ability level. So that was a perfect fit. Um, so if you are kind of a, maybe a higher achieving skier or more advanced and you want to get into some stuff that is um, maybe a little bit more adventure um, make sure you hire a guide that will um, help facilitate that for you. And obviously yeah. the caveats there, that's always based on conditions, snow coverage, avalanche, um, avalanche like information and things like that what those conditions are like that always makes you know in the end the difference so you can go on one of these trips and get skunked um so you know in that case make sure your airbnb airbnb has a hot tub and you've gotten plenty of beers at the store in trump's store beforehand um, yeah. because that downtime is almost always inevitable um, when you're in the mountains, you can't really account for bad weather. It's just it's going to happen. Um, I was thinking as well, when we spoke about Patagonia last time, you said that there was a day, um, uh, Refugio... Um, I can't Refugio remember the end of Frey. That's the one. Yeah, I was going to say Grey, yeah. so I was close. Um, yep. And you said how fantastic that day was uh, and how you tried to replicate it a few times. How does the Lingan <laughs> Alps compare to that day? I think, you know, the Lingen Alps was every, every ski line, um, every mini adventure, you know, I'm talking about like we were doing two outings a day, most days for a week. Um, I would, you know, at Frey in Patagonia, like those really good moments of, ski of skiing are so fleeting. I think that they're probably more abundant in Norway, which is nice. It's hard to, it's super, it's really hard to compare. It's actually interesting to compare, right? Cause it's like, one is like the, how far South can you go in the world and how far North can you go? In the world? <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, I think overall, nothing's going to take that Friday down. I don't, I think I'd have, I mean, I've skied out of helicopters. I've done uh all all sorts of interesting and cool things with skis on my feet and i at this point i'm still like the fray day was um amazing mm. nothing beats that perhaps you know we had we had some really good moments on this trip i mean this is probably the best overall quality trip i've been on like every day we skied something quality we got skunked a couple times but it's par for the course when you are in the mountains. You can't, you know, account for the perfect conditions every day, the perfect weather. You have to be open to the fact that you're going to have days, you know, on the couch. Luckily in Norway, those couches have views of the fjords, which are yeah. beautiful. It's the <laughs> it's quietest. So bad, it? No, it's the quietest place <laughs> ever. So you can like really, I feel a little bit amped talking about it because all the skiing is so exciting, but you can really relax there and um, get some of that downtime um, that I think everybody needs. And so overall, this trip had way less highs and lows compared to the trip to Patagonia. I mean, the, the Patagonia adventure had so many moving parts, uh, 
way more unknowns. We didn't have a guide. We didn't have any local knowledge, basically. Uh, we had a tin can for a van. That was nuts. That thing was so cold. Here we had a warm house. We had a hot tub that, you know, was right on the fjord. Um, there were some amenities to this trip that the Patagonia trip lacked. So if, you know, amenities are your alley, you know, maybe think about Norway. Um, amenities are not first on my list. I did not book this Airbnb. That was booked by Morgan, our guide, um, who is an amazing guy. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, and so it just so happened that we got you know, some really nice, there was some nice benefit to being out there on the down days because the down days in Patagonia are tough, man. They're like huddled up cold in a tin can van, eating French fries in a mall. <laughs> I like, I, they're just bizarre compared to, you know, in Norway, you could, you could take a drive and scout your mission for the next day because everything is very accessible from the roads and you can see everything. There are no trees at all rather in patagonia you're really low and you're in tree line so you can't see the upper mountain when there's bad weather you can't even barely see the upper mountain sometimes when there is good weather so you're very reliant on maps and things and when you're driving around in norway you're just like oh that's an interesting valley how close can we get to that with the car and then morgan be like that's a six hour skin so we're probably not going to do that. I'll be like, okay, let's drive over there and check out that line. All right. Well, that looks good. That'd be a long approach, but you know, you can, it was, I think, you know, if you're going to look at things in terms of like logistically, like skiing to logistical stress, go to Norway, it's farther away. <laughs> um, but you see, you can see everything. I mean, you just, you will see everything. You'll instantly, if, if you've got an eye for it or have any little bit of experience, I think you'll be like, that's where I want to go. And so you'll just go there. I mean, literally you park your car and you go up um, and there's, there's parking. People are doing this a lot. So it's not like we're the only people or we're the first people to do this. That's, I mean, there was a day where I think there was like 50 people on one oh, up wow. track and it was like a total junk show and we just, you know, thanks for putting in the skin track. We're going to go up and around and ski this, like, really cool line that, uh, oh, gosh, there's too many pictures in here. There's a picture midway down, and it's with Aaron. He's in a yellow jacket skiing down a rhyme line couloir. And at the bottom, you see a couple farmhouses, and then you see the ocean, like, the fjord, like, lapping up against the shore. And the light has like this really beautiful kind of warm hue to it. I mean, there's even a reflection of the sun off the water. Like to me, that like defines this trip and like mm. what defined Patagonia was like making lemonade. You know, we're going to try to make the best of this. And we got like this one epic 36 hour period at Frey where it was like probably like probably the hardest we've like either Jared and I had like ever worked to like ski lines because we knew that we weren't going to get a day like that probably ever again. So mm. we were just hitting just maximized it. it. Um, yeah. Rather yeah. than Norway, you can relax a little bit knowing that no one's skiing the good stuff. And uh, I don't want to blow it up too much, but 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, everyone's skiing by their skin track. And if you're willing to go a little bit further, the rewards are amazing. These runs are substantially longer than the ones we did in Patagonia. So one run would be like probably the equivalent of two runs at Frey in one. So when you're with a larger group, that becomes a lot better because you can split the run up and you can each get like some untracked turns. Um, so there's like a lot to this that kind of came together to make it just this epic trip. I mean, this was, yeah. I mean, I, I, I went back to Europe the next year and didn't have nearly as good a year as I did. So there's some luck involved with timing and things like that too. Yeah. Just to just to be fair and say that. Yeah, I, I, as soon as you started mentioning the, the, the living accommodation comparison, um, for those uh, who haven't listened yet, the Patagonia episode, I won't say what it is. I'll leave it as a surprise. But one of the wrap-up questions, I yeah. ask about the van and what modifications you'd make. And I, I was I was so hoping uh, you'd you'd come out with something like, oh, I would have put a mini fridge there or something. But <laughs> you didn't. It was like two just really basic like human right level fundamentals <laughs> like you didn't know where to add so yeah an incredible yeah. story yeah i mean to, to make it to level the playing field then let's let's get refugio Frey out of the picture how does the Lingerance compare to let, let's say chamonix then they just make a direct comparison to chamonix how, how do they compare and which region offers you what uh, that's an interesting question. I think for me, my mind, when you talk about comparison, kind of instantly goes to the difference in terrain, the slight differences in terrain. And then I think the accessibility in the Lingen Alps that you have to like great terrain that no one's really skiing. So, and what I mean by that is in France, you go to the Aguida Midi and it on a powder morning and you're in the middle of downtown France and there are 10 professional ski mountaineers in the lineup jostling to get up first because they've got to ski and everybody else right along with them. And it's a jostling to get in that tram and the first or second bin they want to, you know, everyone's like, I got to go to the West side. I got to ski the, the North face of the Gui. Like, they have their mind is set and it's a very singular focus almost to like takes me back to as a kid watching some of those e movies where there's like the super professional like kind of like European ski instructor who's a huge jerk and then you've got like the locals who are like <laughs> you know we're just kind of ski bums trying to have fun and the, and that, that ski instructor is like you know he's going to push you out of the way and like sometimes when you line up at the Aguida Midi, you feel like somebody who thinks they're better than you is going to push you out of the way. And so there's like a tension there um, that I feel. And it's you have to just go there and know that like even if you're an accomplished skier or not, no matter who you are, that you're an amazing person. And don't worry about those people. Uh, there are just going to be more accomplished skiers than you out there. And that doesn't have, you know, anything to do with your accomplishments or who you are. I think that is like the biggest thing to overcome when you go to France is that it's just a complete show of who's good, who's the best, 
Um, at least that's my interpretation. And that is one that I share with other people and have, you know, spoken about before. What I loved about going to the Alps was like a week off of that. I didn't have mm. to deal with it at all. I was skiing with my good friends like that I ski with when I'm back home, had the most amazing guide. Like we were on our terms. We didn't have to like rush down the street running in our ski boots to make sure that we got like, you know, preferential like access to the tram or something. Like we could just get in the car when we were ready after we brushed our teeth and had our breakfast, had some, maybe an extra cup of coffee. Like you can, and that was so perfect. So there was no rush. There was no, uh, there weren't other people trying to get on those same lines that maybe were willing to put our safety at risk for their own benefit of skiing those lines, which is something that happens when you're in Europe. There are too many groups on the same stuff. It's something that a lot of people like myself who want to ski some of the classic routes there have to accept, but also are slightly unwilling to accept, right? Like I don't really want someone skiing on top of me um, in the Alps, you don't have to deal with that. So low key in terms of terrain, like it's a lot more low key too, because you don't need to go into the mountains with, you know, 30 or 60 meter rope and your glacier, you know, kit in case you have to, you know, rescue someone from a crevasse. You don't have to go with your ice axes and your pitons and your ice screws and your slings and your webbing and all of this kit uh, and your tat and everything, like you just can leave that at home. Forget about it. It stays in the bag unless you want to go to Sophia's dark side. Yeah. Uh, you can ski a whole, the whole time without any of those, you know, things, you know, like that extra kit. And that's nice. Mm. Taking that weight off your back is super nice. Being able to ski fast. So more relaxing. And, yeah. And you're like, oh man, I don't have to worry about like, am I going to fall in a crevasse today? Skinning like up to the top of this line? Like, no. Do you it's feel like, like it reminds you that love for skiing that you have? That's, that's exactly right, Chris. I think, you know, like that's, for me, when I was there, I felt like real, like I was really experiencing like the pure side of the sport, right? Just like climb and ski, mm -hmm. climb and ski. Um, take, take in the environment, like look out on the expansive ocean, like really experience that, um, you know, really experience your friends skiing and having a great time and, and what that feels like as a group and things like that. Um, when you take all of those other variables and some of that extra risk out of the equation, um, I think the fun factor goes up. Also, you're able to like go out there day in and day out. Like at least I was when I'm in Europe. You know, if I do like three big missions in a row, I am crushed, not usually physically, but mentally from being uh, kind of on edge the whole time or having my guard up or like really being hyper vigilant the whole time about my safety, the safety of my partners, um, about like executing certain um, aspects of each mission that are, you know, maybe really cruxy or something where like you've got to make it or the consequences are huge. In Norway, it's just like put all that aside. Just get out there and like get in the car, drive around, find something that you like, climb it up, ski it down, take in the view. That's have a beer, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's super great. Like putting lighter fluid back on that passion. 
yeah it really did it was it was huge sometimes being in france i i find myself like confronting uh some like low moments after those like big days where you're so mentally fatigued and then the weather comes in and you're like am i going to be able to get out again is this Am I going to be experiencing the what you know this poor weather patterns for the entire trip? I mean, there's always something there, a variable, and that kind of makes it attractive, right? So you're like chasing these big goals, and you know, like the window for those opportunities are small, and you're willing to go for it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it's it's tough to relax. Sometimes I have these like really low moments where, you know, I've just been sitting in in a. Uh, hostile or something for a week just like what the heck am i doing here you know <laughs> I can be anywhere i'm here i haven't skied in a week like uh in norway i don't know we probably just got lucky i think on this particular trip but i'll, I'll always remember that this is the trip where it was like bluebird almost every day the snow was perfect um even on south and west faces we skied powder mm. in like april I think it was kind of like mid-April. I mean, in Colorado, that'd be, that would never happen. That snow would be cooked by the sun in, you know, 10 minutes in the morning. And we were, you know, it was like seven-day-old snow. We were still skiing powder. It was, that was amazing. I mean, there's nothing like that. Perfect. So last question then, just to round off what sounds like <laughs> such an incredible trip. Um, and you've certainly made, I think, the Norwegian listener base to this podcast very happy as well. <laughs> But um, uh, if there was one moment that you could relive across the entire Lingen Alps trip, what moment would that be? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would probably, well, I mean, there's some of the hilarious moments, you know, that always happens when you're skiing with your, with your friends and you're having a great time. But uh, looking mm. kind of at this picture of Aaron dropping in towards, towards the ocean, that um, was kind of towards the end of the trip. And, and when we skied down this line and we started, I don't know if this picture is at the top of the couloir or towards the middle. I, I feel like it's kind of towards the top because there's a lot of rhyme. But we literally skied this thing down and we skied all the way down through this farm that's at the base. You can see it in the picture right onto the ocean, like literally right onto this like pebbled beach. Uh, but they weren't little pebbles, so they were like stones, more like stones. And I feel like I, gosh, I really didn't do a good job on this vlog. Sorry, everybody. I should have <laughs> included more photos because um, I know that I have a photo of us on that beach. And I, it was like either Aaron or um, Mason, they were standing on these big boulders looking out at the ocean with their skis on. And in one direction, you know, you're looking out. Uh, maybe towards the North Pole or something way. I mean, there's nothing, you nothing to see. And you yeah, look back and you see tracks just up the other side of the mountain. Wow. Um, and I, it really kind of gave that like sea to summit experience, which is, I think, something that uh, backcountry skiers or like adventure oriented skiers really look for, especially if you are maybe landlocked like we are in Colorado. So that was just such an awesome moment yeah yeah i mean you're right you're you're time wise uh you are because of the roads there but distance wise you're not far from the north cape which is the the northernmost tip of mainland europe so so yeah unless you're skiing on svalbard you know that's 
yeah about as far up as you can go really yeah exactly right yeah totally. yeah perfect well, well listen tj thank you so much for going on the podcast it's another another fantastic one and it's it's made me get really itchy to ski again so thank you for that <laughs> yeah or, yeah i'm happy to to be the uh, purveyor of some some stoke to the people. Norway is a great place to go. It's uh, it's not the cheapest place to travel to, but it's it's worth your investment. I guess the experience that you get out of it is worth every dollar. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I really, really hope you enjoyed that episode. The, we had the Christmas special live stream on Wednesday this week and what an incredible time. Such great engagement from you all who came along to watch it. That episode will be next week. It will be going up a day early on Christmas Eve. So if you're traveling anywhere, then you can just go ahead and listen to that in the car on the way because I fully understand Christmas Day. You're probably going to be preoccupied or if you're choosing not to travel, maybe you will be ready to listen to the podcast. But that's going to go up next week. We're thinking of doing more, so get in touch, btmtravelpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think and if it would be uh, if it'd be something you'd like to see maybe monthly. Thank you so much for listening. Get in touch and send us your thoughts on btmtravelpod at gmail.com. Like and follow the podcast on social media with the links in the show notes and below. I hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you in the next one. <laughs>